Hello and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast paid for by the Legend of the Five Rings community discord. This podcast focuses on the role-playing game, lore, and stories of Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Korva. And I am Kakita Kaori, and we have a special guest today. Today we're going to be joined by D.G. Laderoot, one of the authors of Legend of the Five Rings fictions, including Her Father's Daughter, The World of Stage, Blind Ambition, Court Games, and many others which we will get through as we do the interview. So, hello. We're really excited to have you. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, it's nice to be here. We have lots of questions for you. We've been dying to get the opportunity to talk to you today. You've written a lot of the stories for us. So... Yeah, yeah, I, I guess I have. Yeah. I, I don't sure I, if you're the most prolific fiction writer right now. Are you, or is Bobby Denton? Um, I don't know. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't really counted. Um, it never even occurred to me to count. I did, like uh, you mentioned some of the stories, like her father's daughter and and court games, and this, and I'm kind of going, oh yeah, I did write those, didn't I? It's uh, I'm kind of work working on things or looking forward to things that I'm about to be working on. So so yeah, I, I have written a few. That is that is true. I'm I'm counting nine here. So that's yeah. pretty good. Okay. okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of stories, isn't it? Yeah. Well, could you tell us how you first got picked to do writing for FFG for Legend of the Five Rings and how you found out? That sort of thing. Well, I I I was in a pretty pretty, um, admittedly, unique situation because uh, it, it really was right place at the right time. Um, I had been working for uh, AEG, the previous owner of 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 the game property of uh, Legend of the Five Rings, and um, through a series of of uh, circumstances with AEG, I ended up as the brand lead, the brand manager for. Legend of the Five Rings, at the time that the decision was made to sell the property to Fantasy Flight. Um, so I oversaw the sale from uh, AG's perspective, and um, I, I had a fair bit of interaction with Fantasy Flight as a result, and during the course of that, I, I don't even remember who I talked to. I, I, I asked someone, I said, you know, hey, I'm a writer, I've, I've got a couple of novels published, you know, I know the, the setting really well, are you interested in some writing? And I and it was Katrina who eventually got back to me and asked to see some writing samples. So I sent some in and she liked them. And uh, next thing I know, I'm a writer for Fantasy Flight for L5R. But, but it was kind of a kind of a unique way of getting... Right, that sounds awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's right. I mean, Lord knows I've, I've, I've submitted my writing to many other places for... And I'm not just all five hour writing. I mean, uh, I, I write quite a bit of other stuff, and um, I have a stack of rejection letters to to prove it. So, <laughs> so it yeah. worked out well this yeah, time. Pretty- uh, you seem to be writing a lot about the scorpion and the crane thus far, at least in your the writings for FFG. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about what your opinions are on those clans? Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure how that came about. I think I had a conversation with Katrina early on. She asked me what type of writing and which, which t- by type, it's like, you know, do you combat, military, or intrigue, or mysticism, or whatever. And uh, I, I've, always, I've always enjoyed the sort of uh, complicated, needlessly complicated politics of Rokugan. Um, and that, of course, is embodied in, in the Scorpion and the Crane Clans. Um, so that, that led to, uh, a discussion early on about, um, well, what ultimately became, um, her father's daughter, 
Um, I don't, I don't even remember all the early conversations, uh, main, again, mainly with Katrina, but it came about that, uh, I think I said, I'd be happy to write, uh, crane fiction, um, because that's what she was looking for. And then, um, I kind of made the point because of the way that the situation in the empire had evolved in the, at the beginning of the fantasy flight timeline with, um, the, uh, the crane having suffered damage to their lands from tsunamis and all, all this other stuff going on in the Empire and the Scorpion being in a kind of a position of ascendance, I thought, well, these two clans, uh, they're already mirror images. They're, they're, they're already um, remarkably, remarkably similar and yet entirely different. Um, and yeah, I think that's what really drew me to them. And, and the, the, you know, there's a perception that the Crane clan is nice and the Scorpion clan is nasty. And and one of the things that I wanted to explore is is the nature of being nice in Rokugani politics versus the nature of being nasty, and um, <laughs> which is why uh, I think later on in a uh, in the story court games I, I believe it was I wrote I had an opportunity to write about Kita Yoshi and um, uh-huh. so there was an opportunity to portray a crane. Uh, character. I know that there are people who complain about his uh, portrayal, um, and I'm not going to get into that. I mean, I I, I don't have a problem <laughs> with it. He he's arrogant. He's ruthless. He's 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 all about manipulation and and uh, uh, using people. And to him, the the tortures uh, of of the imperial court are a resource to be exploited. And so that's that's what being nice looks like. And then when I had a chance to write about Bayushi Shoju. Um, it, it was, it was interesting. I thought it, it would be really interesting to play Shoju as someone who, who comes across as more thoughtful and, and, um, uh, has a more expansive view of the empire, more, more considerate, not just a, 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 you know, another ruthless character who wants as much power as possible for himself. Shoju, I think, is really devoted to the empire and he sees the Scorpion's role in the empire as, as being a vital one, um, that must, that must be, you know, protected. And and the, what the stuff the scorpion must do, whereas Yoshi is really more of a he, he's really more self centered. He's really more of a true politician. So so there's a, there was a chance to subvert the expectations of the two clans a little bit, two characters. But that's what it comes down to. The crane, the crane are are, yeah. are brilliant politicians. They use but they they wrap it in favor and pleasantry and etiquette. Uh, I I like that because that can that that can be portrayed in a interesting and and sometimes ruthless way um where is the scorpion the, oh i'm sorry i've been talking a lot here go ahead go ahead <laughs> no you're here to talk though you know what I exactly <laughs> please, please but no i think that you've done brill- brilliantly with the with the portrayals of them and i i am i'm very happy because there's 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 you can be a ruthless guy with uh good or honorable is probably the better that's um yeah, that's yeah. yeah, that's the key honor. I mean, I, 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 I think moving away from the stereotypes of each clan to just even the notion that every clan has variants. Not every heater is like the stereotypical heater. Not every crane is like the stereotypical crane. That's, that's right. I think that's really yeah. neat. Um, it. Oh, I'm. I'm so, sorry. Just before I lose this point, um, I, I think that the the. Uh, um, interesting thing about um, those two clans um, is that they give us a chance to explore uh, Rokugani politics in in a 
in a particularly uh, intimate way, I guess, for, for lack of a better way of describing it. As we saw in, uh, that is kind of recently culminated in um, Bayushi Kachiko making a, what amounts to a power play based on, on the unexpected death of the emperor. And that is, that, that is obviously going to kickstart a whole bunch of stuff um, that that is going to, I think, uh, you know, just just fascinate the uh, the readers. Um, but it it really does let us, you know, see a window directly into those uh, those imperial politics, which is where so much of the game really happens. So so that really drew me to the two clans. Although, uh, interestingly enough, another clan that I've really enjoyed writing for is the Crab, um, perhaps for the uh -huh. for the exact opposite reason, because they are. They are so uncomfortable. They have such an uncomfortable relation to, uh, with the regular politics of the empire. It makes them, it makes them very interesting in their own way. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. can't hit politics with a tetsubo. It, it does, and and yet they're, they're they're being engaged in imperial politics and part of the the empire's sort of ongoing you know life is obviously vitally important. So uh, the fact that they tend to get marginalized in the minds of the rest of the empire, I think, is uh, profoundly dangerous on, on the part of Rokugan. Yeah, I think that uh, you won a lot of fans with Taka. Nope, Yori. And, uh, and Kuni, I haven't written about Taka. I, I wrote so about, I had... Taka's in court games, yeah. No. He... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Taka's <laughs> in the... He gets mentioned, I think. Oh, that's a different yeah. story. He's in he's in the one that's where right. he's uh, dealing with Yoritomo, and um, uh, that wasn't one of my stories. Right. Sorry. That's, that's okay. Forgot. That's okay. No, I got to write about Kuniyori. Uh, that was that was creepily wonderful. Oh yeah, yes. Kuniyori, who's not in any way doing really bad things. Well, I don't <laughs> no, want to, no. I don't want to sidetrack here too much, but but I think Kuni, no. I think Kuniyori <laughs> is doing everything he does is genuinely because he wants to preserve the Empire and the Crab Clan. Um, the road to Jigoku and all absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we talked about a little bit uh, starting writing on her father's daughter, which had the, uh, you know, you got to be write the very first fiction, which is pretty exciting. It, it was. Um, what kind of things were you, uh, did you know that you were going to have the first story when you wrote it? When I was assigned her father's daughter, oh, I was, sorry, <laughs> I wasn't assigned. Okay, the way the way it works in a nutshell is, um, Katrina or, or, or someone else from Fantasy Flight will come to a writer and say, we'd like a story written about this. And um, the, the, it's often um, just sort of a very thumbnail outline. So it, I don't remember what it was for, for the first fiction, but it was something like, uh, we would like to introduce Doji Hotaro of the Crane Clan and the fact that she is um, dealing with the aftermath of her father Satsume's death. And maybe there was a little more than that. And then I go away and, and I come up with an outline of a fiction, which I submit. And then mm -hmm. the Fantasy Flight folks, um, again, Katrina, but not, but not always. There, there are some other folks involved there, too, like, like Tyler Parrott. For, they'll come back and they'll say, yeah, I like this outline. Or, well, you know, I like it, but I, you know, let's change this or that or whatever. And once the, outline is, yeah. uh -huh. once the outline is approved, then we go away and we write the fiction. So in this case... Um, I think that, um, I was just assigned this, this fiction about, um, a crane fiction about Doji Hotaru dealing with her father's death. Um, so I started working on that and then somewhere during that the subsequent conversations about the outline, it came to light that this was going to be the very first fiction, um, which was really exciting, but, uh, also a little intimidating, um, 
Yeah, because this was going to be the first, you know, piece of lore people read about the new setting. And and it also had to do a lot of heavy lifting that um, stories generally don't, um, when, or certainly didn't under AEG because people were so immersed in the setting already. This one had to be designed so that it could introduce new people to the setting. So there were some things mm-hmm. that had to introduce right away. It had to introduce the concept of, you know, samurai and the fact that these people mm-hmm. were in clans in an empire and and there were things going on in this empire that that were problems for them and and uh uh and so on so so a, a lot of her father's daughter was shaped by the fact that we had to introduce the world uh but we had to do it in a way that wasn't just exposition you know this is rogugan rogugan uh-huh. is an empire led by you know that, nothing like that it had to be we had to show people the empire through the character's mm-hmm. eyes um and that's why i made the decision uh, two reasons that I think the very first character we, we see is Daidoji Narishma, um, who's uh-huh. a fairly low low ranking crane or, or bushi soldier. Um, and uh, there there were two reasons. One was um, I th- I think we want to introduce people to to the empire from the perspective of somebody who's one of its citizens as a samurai, um, not necessarily um, you know. Uh, a, a a very high-ranking noble like a client champion, uh, at least yeah, not yeah, right yeah. away. Um, and secondly, uh, that that particular character actually had a had a really touching uh, affiliation with a with a player who passed away. Um, so uh, so it was a nice bit of a, a, a tribute to 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 that I think. Um, but then we had to very quickly shift over to. Um, Hotaro's point of view, and, and it was how do I have Hotaro, you know, how do I have this that guy Daidoji Narishma hanging out with his clan champion, you know, how does that come about? Well, having her disguised in this caravan, if you remember, she was in disguise in this caravan that was going to Orisanuchi. Um, Why is this Ronin in grey robes rushing past me? Oh my god! It's my boss. Yeah, it's my boss's <laughs> boss's boss. Um, yeah, so so that's how the story came about. Um, so. Um, so yeah, so, so I, I guess, does, I, does that answer the question? I kind of rambled there a bit. <laughs> that, that absolutely answers our question. That was, that was terrific. Uh, did, did you get told about the tsunami or? Yeah, uh, there's a, yeah, there's a, a document that, that, that Fantasy Flight pr- pr- produces that, that the writers use. It's sort of the, bi- the story Bible. And it, it has uh-huh. all the yeah it's a very closely guarded document. <laughs> Shouldn't it be the story tell? You I, yeah well, I, good point. I'm very sorry. good point. I had but, to. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's kind of got all the uh, all the all the background information that 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 sort of gives the consistency across the setting and. Um, in there, okay, the, if there's any real life ninjas out there listening to this podcast, <laughs> no, you know no, where no, to go. no, 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 oh, no, okay, that would be bad. All right, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a secret that 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 uh, these sort of um, multilateral groups of writers who write for properties probably have some, you know, documents to, you know, <laughs> you, unify. You'd certainly it. hope so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I would hope um, so. <laughs> so yeah, so that had everything in it, uh, including the fact that uh, what the character that it had being Doji Hoturi. Uh, a, a male character was now female. Um, the, the tsunamis had happened. The uh, phoenix were dealing with elemental imbalance. The dragon were dealing with a declining birth rate. Birth rate in this um, um, pure or perfect land sect that that had sprung up, and so on. So it kind of 
listed all the changes that had happened in the empire from what certainly what I had known. And, uh, and, it, right. and also, you know, it told us a lot about how they wanted us to tell the stories and what they wanted the stories to, the, the flavor they wanted the stories to have. Very much they wanted stories about people in the empire that, that, that um, you know, that, that it was going to be really um, about the samurai and, and their relationships and so on. Not, for example, we weren't going to introduce like a super powerful supernatural evil that is going to be the defining antagonist for the empire right from the get-go. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that sounds. Uh, yeah, I I think that 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 sounds really cool and interesting, and that's obviously something you need to do in order to have something even vaguely coherent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, so m- much as I'd like to get my my grubby little mitts on it, um, it's it's probably best that it's amongst the <laughs> FFG writers. Well, it, uh, honestly, <laughs> yes. at this point, I don't think it would tell you. Uh, interesting enough, I don't think it would tell you much about the story going forward because um, it mm. the document is there and and. Actually, if you went through it now, you probably wouldn't find a lot you didn't already know or, or could survive, surmise. <laughs> That's Gotta a good make point. a new um, one. Well, they're big documents. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of work. So, you know, like, yeah. 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 So moving on a little bit from Her Father's Daughter, which is kind of the first of the fictions that ever, that the first fiction that came out, um, moving on. Quite a bit later, uh, rather one of the other very significant ones you did was uh, Tiger Stalks His Prey, and we're kind of interested in, like, yeah, the the planning for that and what you were asked for and 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 that kind of stuff. Oh, I was just going to say, obviously, there's that, and it sets right into Children of the Empire, which you also wrote, and then where we are today, right. Okay, so so that was a little different. By the time Tiger, uh, by the time Tiger came along, um, I think uh, we the, we we writers have been engaged with the uh, setting and the characters for um, quite a while by that point. So so we were having an opportunity to have um, quite a bit more discussion about where the story was going, what was going to happen. Again. I don't remember. I even went back and looked, and and I I, I archived the. Um, the, the traffic I had going back and forth with Katrina at the time of Tiger. Um, but what it comes down to it is um, we she wanted a story that was going to um, really... Be, because honestly, sorry, backing up a little bit, everything up until Tiger Stocks' his Prey was kind of scene-setting, or most of it. I mean, that's not there's nothing wrong with that, and it was super important that it had to be done because all the clans had to be introduced, all the characters needed to be introduced, all the story problems needed to be introduced. That all had to be set up, and and uh, it had to be done in a in a thoroughly engaging way um, through a, through a number of stories. Um, but in some ways, uh, the events around Tiger really sort of um, kickstart uh, kick the um, uh, I, I think the main story problem, which is the imperial succession and what what happens around right. that. Um, so I had an opportunity to do a lot more back and forth with Katrina on that. Um, because one of the big challenges here, I think, is, of course, uh, the, this period of time in Rokugan's history already has a, um, it's already happened in AEG. It, the, the, the Scorpion Clan coup and the Clan War period sort of already happened, and, and, and there's a whole bunch of story there around that. And that is now what amounts to uh, an alternate setting. So um, I think what Fantasy Flight wanted to do is they wanted to tell a story that would that would really speak to the um, the, the f- folks who were, were fans of the Empire under AG, um, but 
um, was also a new story. So telling the story of a scorpion clan coup where Shoju decides because based on a prophecy that he needs to kill the emperor and seize the throne in order to hold off the terrible events of this prophecy, but inadvertently kickstarts them anyway, that's been done. <laughs> there is no point telling that story again. AEG did a great job of it. Um, so what do we do uh, with these characters that is similar to but different from what happened before? And that, that discussion led to Hante... Um, the 38th, the emperor, um, deciding to um, upend his succession, appoint his younger son as his heir, and skip over his older son, who he saw as uh, being um, a real problem. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so he's not the only one. Yeah, and and the result of that, and it worked out really well. The result of that is that um, um, uh, Daisetsu, I keep, I keep wanna say Dairu, because um, of writing Children of the Empire. Daisatsu, the younger, the younger son, the younger prince, um, he's not of age. And he's not, uh, he, he's not uh, close enough to his um, uh, Genpuku to, for it to happen before he would potentially ascend, particularly since the emperor, whose health was failing, uh, had decided he was going to step down and wanted his, wanted his younger son mm -hmm. to ascend immediately after him. So... We needed a regent, and of course, one character stood out as this is the guy who's going to be the regent. That was by who she showed you. Um, yeah, so so that's kind of where that story came from. It came from okay, so so we want the emperor to step down. We want to um, put Daisetsu up in his place, and we want Shoju to be the regent. How does that come about? And uh, that led to the thinking that eventually became the outline, that eventually became the story, that became Tiger Stocks as prey. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. That, that was great. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I, I think one of the things I kind of want to mention about those stories, Tiger Stalks is Prey and the Children of the Empire. I, did you do all of those or not? I can't, you only did one to three. I yeah. did all the, yeah. I like the, the, the main thing is the way you humanized actually quite a few of the characters, but specifically uh, Satori, who, who had just been the bad prince. You know, let's get, let's just, you know, Let's just steal Joffrey from Game of Thrones. That's who he is. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. Um, I hate to say it. I'm going. I'm going to admit something that that, that I guess <gasps> is a little shameful. I'm not a big fan of Game of Thrones. I scandal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just not. I, I. I mean, I. I. It's. 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 It's good, but that's. that's you know. Um, I know that it's. It, I apologize to anyone out there who's offended, but I'm just not a big fan of Game of Thrones. So I, I did not. I I did not specifically use Joffrey as a model for for Satori. Well, well, well actually, no. I, I kind of think you did literally the opposite because I think that's kind of where Satoshi was heading. From what we all heard from other people, look at the that's bad right. things he's done. And that's essentially because we'd only ever seen him from the outside. We'd only seen his actions. Well, and we yeah, and we had to. Um, we had to give um, understandable motivations to these characters. I mean, fiction only really works when um, the characters are people that the, that the reader can understand. Um, yeah, and uh, and that doesn't matter whether they're you know magical samurai or aliens in the in the distant future or whatever. I mean, we still need to be able to relate to the characters. And Satori, no no person is is you know universally bad. Um, so, like, I mean, I mean, even even Fulang ha, has a soft spot for his sister Shinjo. So, you know, mm. they're not, they're not, you know. So Satori couldn't be 
just this horrible human being and that's it. And I, I when I was asked to get inside his head for children, um, I kind of thought, okay, so what would make someone who is about to become the most powerful man in, in the most powerful mortal in the universe, as far as the rest of the empire was concerned, what would make him be such a, a you know, a jerk? And it, it just struck me that if you had a, a, a kid who was uh, naturally um, gregarious and, and outgoing, and you pin him into a role from the moment that, of his birth, that he cannot, he, he cannot shake, um, that this is what his life is going to be. And then you surround him with all the machinery and, 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 and stuff that is going to groom him for that role. You know, you end up with, with someone who, um, you know, he doesn't have, he doesn't have friends. He, he really does. I mean, he just doesn't have an opportunity to have friends. Um, and the, uh, the, the fact that Bayushi Dairu ends up, you know, deciding that his younger brother Daisetsu is going to be his best friend you know that that was a way of encapsulating the fact that that Satori really has no one you know all he has is whatever whoever is inside his head and and the the person inside his head is lonely and and resentful and 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 really quite sad so um and that translates uh in in angry you know um angry behavior so um, yeah, yeah. So th- so it was really important that that even when Satori showed up in Tiger Stocks' phrase, he's he's a turd. Um, so people so people <laughs> needed to understand why he was like that, and I think that that's what ch- Children of the Empire gave because these these characters, Satori and Daisetsu, are going to be pivotal characters going forward. Obviously, I'm not I'm not breaking my NDA by saying that. So we need we need to know them pretty well. You talked a little bit about who's not influencing you, which is uh, George R. R. Martin, which is great. What authors do inspire your writing style? It, it's yeah, it's funny. Martin, Martin is. Um, I think he he is one of the best um, world builders I, I've I've uh, I've seen in a long time, and he develops brilliant characters. I just don't think he's a very good um, storyteller. <laughs> uh, he <laughs> if he teamed up with with someone else, someone like like like. I think I said. I think I recently said this more. Someone like Brandon Sanderson, him, him together with Martin, and they collaborated. I think they would produce fi- fantasy fiction that would be absolutely stunning. Um, <laughs> so, so actually, there's one, Brandon Sanderson. I really, I really like his writing. Um, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and there, were, God, I've read a lot of stuff. There's a lot of there's a lot of writers out there. Uh, and the ones who have probably influenced me most regarding L five R would be um, uh, Raymond Feist. He's a he's a fantasy writer. He's not he's not new. He's been around for quite some time. But he collaborated with another fantasy writer, Johnny Wirtz, and they produced a, a a series of books that start with Daughter of the Empire, which is almost Legend of the Five Rings. The book I highly recommend it to people. Uh, Daughter of the Empire. Um, and yeah. um, let's see, I guess that um, for relatively uh, recent contemporary writers, um, the, I'm assuming he influenced my writing style for L5R as opposed generally, because I read a lot of stuff that isn't L5R. I mean, gen- <laughs> I think both. I think both would be interesting. Oh, OK. Oh, absolutely. We're writing down. Uh, we'll, we'll tell our readers uh, to go read other books. Uh, sure. <laughs> that you're um, recommending. Oh, now I can't remember the name of this writer. Uh, there's a there's a series of books that are that are sort of very heavily based on feudal Japan. I think it's the Otori O T O R I. Um, 
yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, Oteri, Nightingale Floor. Y- yes, yes. And that's that, right? That's right. That's, I really like that series, too. That's that's another series I, I, I really enjoy and really stuck with me for um, um, when it came to writing L5R. But more generally, I mean, I do read a lot of stuff that, that uh, like science fiction. I, I read a fair bit. And um, I think one of my favorite science fiction stories is uh, The Forever War by Joe Haldeman which was sort of based on his experiences in, in Vietnam. Um, it's a, it's a brilliant piece of, of science fiction writing. Um, and Cory Doctorow, who, who is, uh, who is a fellow Canadian, he, he's, he wrote a book called little brother, which, um, is about the surveillance state. Um, and, and, uh, his, his right. He, he really taught me about portraying characters, especially younger characters in a convincing way. So, I mean, I could go on like this for a long, long time, but, but that's, <laughs> that's sort of, that gives you an idea, I think of, of some of them anyway. Thank you very much. Uh, of your, of the other L5R writers, um, you know, the ones who are writing the minutes or like the ones from. AG times. Do you have any ones you you particularly look up to and particularly admire? Oh my goodness, that's such a difficult question because um, the other writers are. Uh, it, it, it's funny in a way. I the the, the other writers, um, you know, I read their stuff uh, and I go, oh God, I wish I could have written that. Oh God, why didn't I write that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there are some there are some brilliant people working on this game, and and it, to for me to single out some that I say I like. Uh, that are my favorites would imply that I like others less and it doesn't really work. It doesn't really work that way. Um, but um, having, which, which of your pets do you truly love? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> having said that though, I do admit that um, if there's someone that I feel consistently um, writes better than I do, it's Rob Denton. Um, I, I, I actually do look up to Rob because as a writer, because I think he's, I think he's amazing. Um, I, uh, I I read his stuff and and I go. This story has achieved exactly what it was what he intended it to do, and it, it did in a way that kept me engaged the whole time. Um, so uh, so if Rob's listening out there, then then yeah, Rob, you're 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 an okay writer. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite character? You talked about uh, a couple characters you wrote. Do you have a favorite character right now? In uh, L5R that you know, like the most? Oh, right now? In, in the, oh, Bioshi yeah. Shoshu. Absolutely. He, has, he, he, is, he is fascinating to me. And, and I've had, a, I've had a, several, a couple of opportunities to write about him now. Um, he, is, he is, to me, the, the epitome of, of uh, uh, conflict of, of duty versus desire. Um, he is torn between uh, what he what he thinks is his clan should be and how his clan is evolving. Uh, his wife <laughs> is, is really, she really encapsulates. Um, I don't, if for the folks who know the old story, there was a blood sword, uh, a, a, a magical artifact called ambition that, that um, drove showed you to do a lot of the things he did. Uh, I don't know if the blood swords are going to make an appearance in, in the new setting. Um, and uh, all that we know is that if they are, they haven't yet. So Baishi Kachiko, Shoju's wife, is kind of fulfilling that role of being the voice. It, it is right. interesting that you did one of your fictions is called it is. Blind Ambition. It is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you caught me in that. That was a little bit of a, um, for, for the folks who know the game for in the older days, that was a bit of a, yeah, using that word ambition was deliberate. Um, well, because I wanted to portray Kachiko as being 
ambitious, but ambitious not just for herself, but on behalf of her clan. Kachiko is truly devoted to the Scorpion clan. In her own way, she's truly devoted to the Empire as well. She believes that a strong Scorpion clan that's, that's kind of running the show is what the Empire needs. Uh, mm-hmm. So yes, but that's obviously very much counter to her husband, who believes that no, the empire, the Scorpion need to do the things that need to be done in the Empire that nobody else will do, and that requires a certain amount of discretion and and ultimately secrecy. So these two characters, uh, I, I find it very interesting that 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 people uh, go on about how everybody's uh, kind of had the uh, crap kicked out of them by events, uh, except for the Scorpion. Who seem to be, you know, doing super well. They they seem to be on top of it. And this is independent from the card game, by the way. I'm not talking about how decks work and yeah. card game right, right, that right. kind of thing. I'm talking about in the story. Um, I think that uh, in some respects, the doom of the Scorpion is to become too successful. Um, you know, that's that's not what they're for. That's not what they're about. They they will cease to be the Scorpion and they will become something else if they b- become the uh, the sort of power in the Empire. So, so all that kind of converges on poor Shoju, um, and and I think that that makes his story uh, probably my favorite one in the uh, in the game right now. I have many that I really enjoy, but but I, I Shoju is very close to me. <laughs> do you have any particular favorites from the old lore? Um, yeah, I, I do. Although it's not really a character, it's it's it, because it it, uh, it it didn't really ever. Um, well, I did a, yeah, I'll explain it. Uh, the 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 nothing, the lying darkness. Oh. The, the, yeah, I I had a I you may recall there was a book uh, there was a series of books called Way of you know the Way of the yeah. various clans. So there was Way of Shadow, was a book about the nothing and a dragon clan magistrate uh, Katsuki Kagi. Um, I read that book and it was it was absolutely chilling. It was a brilliant piece of writing. I found it to be so atmospheric and creepy and spooky and and that had me sort of really become interested in the lying darkness um the nothing and um i i really thought that uh, that was a truly fascinating uh, ab- absolutely wonderful sort of i can't even call it a character it did become a character in the form of the shadow dragon um, mm. which uh, i have mixed feelings about the shadow dragon but but the the concept of this existential <laughs> void uh, that that predates creation that is seeking to you know unmake everything i, I thought was wonderful the only trouble is it was also completely superfluous superfluous um because we really didn't need a bit another big bad supernatural evil on top of jigoku and fulang and so on so so that was too bad i i, I think that the it, yeah, yeah that's a case to be there's absolutely a case to be made for the, for that yeah 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 yeah, but but putting that aside, the the uh, the lying darkness, I think, was just. Uh, I know it's not really a character, but but it just it, it's maybe it's more a standout moment. Um, but uh, I, but I did really enjoy the uh, it's it's in, involvement in the game for the time it was sort of involved. Cool. Um, so when you're getting down, what kind of research do you do when you're writing the story? So you often have some. Uh... You know, Japanese terms and so on dropped dropped into everything. Do you do you how how do you set about getting ready to write a story and and researching and putting it together? How, what's your method? Well, the 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 first thing I do is I go back if if they're if they're not new characters, then I go back and see how they were portrayed in the old story. Um, because I I don't want to. It doesn't mean I need to I, like I feel bound to have them stick with that, but. 
I want to know what the fans' expectations of this character may be, um, so that so that when I then write about the character, I'm not doing it in a way that 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 just doesn't work in people's mind. Um, uh, it, it, we'll go back to Kachiko. If if I decided in um, because she makes an appearance in her father's daughter, if I decided to portray her as this, you know, naive. Um, neophyte bumbling you know sort of um politician who doesn't really get it um i'd have to have a pretty pretty damn good <laughs> yeah, reason for, like it, for, for doing that and, I, yeah and yeah. uh so so i really need to know how these characters have been portrayed in the past and if they're and now because we have a significant body of fiction in the new setting i now find that i have to go back and uh um research research stuff in that and that incidentally um you folks who put together timelines and fiction libraries, and uh, <laughs> you're you're wonderful. You're fantastic. I, I I don't I don't think I'm letting out too much of a secret here to know that the writers are using your stuff all the time. I know I do. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, and and so so really, um, uh, it, it, it's it's a lot of a lot of uh, getting the background from the old story and the new story, and then for for newer elements, I. I well, I turn to the internet. Um, it's not hard to do a Google search on Japanese flower language, for example, if I want to know what yep. you know. I want a particular. Mm-hmm. I think I uh, I think in in Blind Ambition, uh, Kachiko uses a flower to um, um, mm-hmm. to signal yeah. to, to to signal her her underling to come and uh, interrupt the meeting she's in. But but the flower itself. If I I don't remember what the flower was, but it had something to do with uh, it's a camellia. Oh, okay, it has something to do with desire, um, and yeah, yeah, and and she was trying to manipulate through seduction the the uh, character she was with at the start of the uh, story, the Otomo, the Otomo mm. Damio. Mm-hmm. So just by putting that flower there, that 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 in the language of flowers was about desire and and uh, you know longing and that kind of thing. You know that sent that was sending him a message, um, so so yeah. And then uh, there are there's a ton, like just a ton of stuff out there. If I ever need creepy Japanese um, monsters and, and and mythological creatures, I go to yokai.com. Um, I, I love that site. I, yeah, I use that site a lot. Um, yeah, so so I do all this research, and then you know I make sure that I've got a pretty good idea of of. Uh, the characters and and uh, any any new elements I'm going to introduce into the setting. Um, although you may have noticed that that the the amount of um, foreign language in in these stories has actually decreased, and I think Fantasy Flight has made a decision that they would like to use less of that. Um, okay. You know, stick with you know um, Shugenja and, and Bushi and, and that kind of, because they're well used terms, katana, that kind of thing. But I think there, yeah. there, there, there's a preference there. We're finding as writer, I know I am finding as writers that they, they don't really want like call it a, you know, call it a a a wicker basket, for example, instead of using the Japanese term for it, you know, because it mm-hmm. because that that's just needlessly complicating things. So, so, but yeah, that's that's I think that's kind of the process I go through. And I think you know to wrap up, I think we're going to go uh, with this question, which is, if you had to do an elevator pitch. For Legend of the Five Rings and Rock Again, for someone who hadn't heard about, um, it, what would you wow. do? What would you that's use? a that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> my tendency is to is to go back to uh, there. There, <laughs> have you ever seen the movie Snakes on a Plane? Yep. Well, no, I've heard, that's not true. I've not actually seen it, but I've heard of it. Okay, it's 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 a movie. It's a movie about 
um, a plane, and there are snakes on it. And I always thought that that because because <laughs> I used to I, interestingly enough at one time I actually pitched story ideas to the uh, producers of Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine and Star Trek Voyager, and um, and uh, developing a pitch is a is a really it's a fine art. And I always thought that that it, the perfect pitch would be whoever came up with that idea, that idea for that the movie Snakes on a Plane that they walked into the the boardroom with the producers to give their pitch and all they said was snakes on a plane that was it <laughs> you know like that's a movie that pitches itself so um i'm t- i'm in as a result of that i'm inclined to say that um for l5r it would be magical samurai you know just 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 those two words because that encapsulates so much imagery right in those two words magical samurai um samurai japan warriors um Cool swords, you know, uh, armor with demon face masks, um, and that, and it's magical. So there's, um, you know, uh, spirits and ghosts and all this kind of stuff. I mean, that's not much of a pitch because it didn't really tell you very much. But I, I guess that I would use that as the starting point, and then I may, at the risk of, you know, I may end up with too long a pitcher for an elevator pitch. But something like, uh, in a land of magical samurai. Uh, Characters uh, struggle. I'm doing this off the top of my head, by the way. Characters uh, struggle <laughs> with the, the the problems of running an empire in the face of, you know, um, on ongoing calamities. So something like that. But 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 magical samurai would be a is certainly a significant part of that. You know, it, that would elevator. require a pretty short elevator ride. So that's that's good because you don't know how long. I mean, you know, how many floors are you going up? You don't know. That's right. So, magical Samurai. Yeah, Magical Samurai. That, that that would probably be my opening line. I'll put it that way. And then if they ask me for – that's what happened with Star Trek. We would give kind of a, a, a blurb, and if and then they would go, mm, no, pass. What, what's next? And, and if they didn't, they would go, okay, expand on that a bit. So then you would come up with sort of the next level of pitch and so on. So, so yeah, for, Sam, for um, L5R, it's Magical Samurai. <laughs> well, at least if you at least want to know more, I guess that's kind of the point. Right? Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking to us about your stories. It was really great to have you. We tried not to come up with any questions that we're dying to know about all the cool stuff that's going to happen in the future, but I know you can't. Th- things you are going to get even that. more interesting than they are. I'm presuming so that some more of those stories are written by. Um, you. <laughs> I'm going to really respect my NDA here and, and not even say, say that, that I can't. I can't say. Yeah, I, I, I can neither confirm nor deny. Yeah, exactly. And neither can my NDA. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, we really appreciate you talking about what's happened before. We look forward to anything that might be. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And before we let you go, is there anywhere people can find you on the internet? Um, I probably am most active on Facebook, uh, where I, um, I'm under the name, uh, Dave Latterout. Um, and then the other place, I am on a site called Wattpad. It's a big site for writers, W-A-T-T-P-A-D, and I'm DG Latterout on there. Um, I don't have any L5R stuff on there. I have a bunch of, uh, a bunch of other stuff on there though. So if people are interested in reading stuff that I write that isn't L5R, go to, uh, uh www.wattpad.com and do a search on DG Laderit and uh, you'll find my stuff. Awesome. Well, this was the uh, Core Games RPG podcast and Kikita Kaori signing off for today. Uh, may the fortunes favor you. And until we meet again, keep your jade handy. <laughs>